Welcome to another podcast episode of Decentralized with Cointelegraph. My name is Gareth Jenkinson, and this episode features a full one-on-one interview with the new CEO of Binance, Richard Ting. He takes over from Shangping CZ Xiao, who was forced to step down from his position as part of a $4.3 billion settlement with the United States authorities over regulatory failings by Binance in the past. A very good morning to you, Richard. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us today. I guess we can start off uh, first things first. How have the last two weeks been taking over as CEO of Binance? Thanks for that. First of all, it's very important that we move past this very challenging episode in terms of our corporate history and with the US resolution into historical issues, if I can stress, relating to registration compliance sanctions. The overcast on Binance has been lifted. And overcast over the, actually the entire crypto industry has been lifted. So we are able to now move on towards a new chapter in terms of our corporate history. I think what's important to highlight is financial institutions do have gaps. They do make mistakes. We are a very young company, right? So Binance started in 2017. We are six years old. I tell people in human terminology, we are learning our ropes very quickly. But since the early days, Things like user funds, user security, uh, safety, soundness are sacrosanct. And we focus a lot of our attention to make sure of those things, right? User funds are back one-to-one, 100% secure. They can choose to withdraw at any point in time. And in fact, the US agencies, they've scrutinized our operations in great detail, right? For us to reach this settlement. And there's no allegations, tests, and misappropriation of user funds. Right? So, so that's very important. And users continue to be at the heart of everything that we do. Yeah, we are a very user-focused company. But in those very early days, while we were building up the company, there were gaps in terms of compliance, right? And that resulted in all these breaches and mistakes. And, but these are historical issues. We have remediated, we have invested heavily in terms of our compliance program for the last two years. So if you look at our bench strength, the talent pool that we have in our compliance team now, we've recruited very heavily from regulatory agencies, from traditional financial institutions, um, people with background, from the likes of Morgan Stanley, Barclays, etc. So that strength is very strong. We will continue to work with regulatory agencies globally to meet global standards going forward. We continue like other financial institutions, learn from past mistakes and become a stronger. And my commitment, I've set it out in my blog, are threefold. Right? Firstly, user being a user-led organization. And that's extremely important to us because users are the ones that supported us, that make us who we are. And post the episode, our user base has continued to grow from strength to strength. Today, we have 166 million users. That shows the trust and confidence in us. And we take that trust, confidence very seriously. Our custodial responsibility very seriously. Second thing, the direction of travel within the industry is very clear, right? Unlike six years ago when Binance was started, it's very nascent. We grew very fast to become the number one company in the crypto. And within a period of six months, I think the pace of growth was something that we didn't expect as well, right? And which is why some of these gaps arose, right? But today, direction of travel is very clear. There's going to be much more regulations, much clearer regulation, which is important for industry players like ourselves to operate in. So we will focus our as a, as my second commitment, we will work very closely with global regulators to uphold standards. And that's very important. And then thirdly, with the overcast gone, there are some partners in the past that are a bit reluctant because they're waiting to see what's going to happen. And now that this overcast is lifted, we have a lot of new approaches, past approaches where people 
wanted to put on hold some of the discussion. And we will continue to push ahead, working very closely with partners globally as well as locally to support Web3 crypto adoption deployment. And the public is very bright, right? So even two years ago, if you look at the top 100 institutions in the world, they have not really set up their Web3 blockchain crypto agenda. Today, if you look at that list, everyone has a very serious agenda in terms of blockchain, crypto, Web3, right? With the likes of Usu, BlackRock, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, and the list goes on. Pushing ahead, you see the environment being very right for mass adoption. So the pace of adoption in the past five years will be slower than the pace that you're going to see in the next five years. So the next five years is going to be much faster. Today, we are at 5% of crypto adoption globally, and that's still small. And that needle will move up quite quickly. If we move that to 10%, 20%, 30%, you'll see the space in a totally different environment compared to what we see today. Ecosystem is going to be much more vibrant. There are no more new investor class into this industry. There's going to be a lot more new liquidity with new products such as ETF coming on stream. So I remain very, very bullish for this sector. Um, I, I saw on Twitter that you were at the F1 in Abu Dhabi this weekend, uh, you know, showcasing the the Binance branded helmet uh, with Pierre Gasly. Um, looks like you had a lot of fun. And I, I found it quite interesting that you posted a photo, you know, with uh, yourself putting up the sign and, and you explained that it means win, victory and love. Do you see that as kind of being a mantra for yourself and, and Binance going forward over the over the next few years? Well, the win, victory and love uh, is a sign that is in the UAE, right? So I, UAE is my second home. I spent about eight years in the UAE so far. I thought it's a meaningful sign, not only in terms of the thing that it communicates, which is actually important in terms of winning, in terms of victory, in terms of love, which I think is important instead of the, the other dimension. <laughs> but it also represents my three commitment to our users, to our regulators, to our partners. Right? And this will be the key driving force for me going forward to really focus on these three things, to build a much stronger organization. We have prospered in the last 60 years. We have prospered in the last six years. So for me, working with all these important stakeholders will allow us to continue to grow very strongly. And the objective is to continue to prosper in the next 60 years. It's for everyone in the organization and our community to be very proud to be associated with a branding, a company such as Binance for years to come. Yeah, and obviously uh, Binance users and the crypto uh, ecosystem as a whole is kind of gotten used to the thoughts of CZ and how he does things. I mean, is there going to be anything fundamentally different to to what you're bringing uh, to Binance as as a new uh, uh, captain, as it were? CZ is a founder, CEO. He's an inspirational leader. I mean, I work with him very closely for the past two years. I've seen him in great action. Right? He's a great mentor, an inspirational leader, very focused on execution, so there are many good learning points. Uh, and I continue to benefit from all these important learning points from him. Um, very heart-driven, very committed in all those areas. But he as a founder CEO, he's able to do a lot of things that we, uh, that I, uh, will not be able to replicate in some sense. What I can do is bring my own value set, my own expertise to the table. Again, in a maturing company, I mean, Six years ago compared to now, Binance is in a totally different space now. When it first started, there are no user base. It started from a staff strength of six person, grew it very quickly to 30, grew it to 100. But today, we are thousands of people. Uh, we are a global company that's globally deployed. So it's quite different. The corporate structure will change, right? Uh, instead of CZ holding that responsibility to do everything himself, going forward, we have a corporate board 
We have a board of directors, which is the governing authority for the company and the management team, uh, including myself, reports to the board. I'm privileged and honored to be able to be entrusted by CZ and the rest of the leadership team to hold up this role. They offered me this role. I had this good discussion and I'm, I'm very privileged, honored and humble for them to entrust me with this role, which is a responsibility that I hold very dearly to bring this very important franchise going forward. The user trust is extremely important. Again, that is a trust and responsibility that I hold very dearly. 166 million users around the world is continuing to grow. We are focused on growing our user base globally. So those are responsibility on, on me. I'm privileged to have a very strong core team that remains. And together with their help, with our very committed dynamic team of members as well, thousands of them all over the board. We will continue to support our user needs and push ahead with the agenda uh, going forward to bring about freedom of money to help every individual as far as possible realize their financial freedom. Uh, Richard, I, I do want to chat a little bit about the the DOJ uh, settlements. I mean, obviously, uh, it, it was big news for the industry as a whole. And I found it quite interesting. You had the likes of Arthur Hayes, uh, Mike Novogratz kind of pointing out that Many of the biggest Wall Street banks, right, um, have not been subject to the same kind of treatment that that Binance has, and you know, uh, it's being labelled as like the biggest corporate fine in history. Do you think that they've? Well, not do you think? How do you feel about the asymmetry between seeming treatment of Binance and this fine, and the tra- the the treatment of of mainstream counterparts? Well, I think on the first part, I, I can discuss. I, I do. You do know that as part of the settlement. Um, we are bound by confidentiality agreement, etc. We can't discuss those matters. I bet if you have questions on that, you need you need to get clarity on the entry. But I would say this this right. Fines in in them in terms of financial sector is not uncommon. It's actually common, right? If you look at if you just do a Google of the top mile fines that's paid by financial institutions, certainly you have seen cumulatively the top enterprise on that list has paid close to ninety billion of fines. There are multiple entities uh, in terms of the top 10 financial institutions that have paid in excess of 30 billion of fines. So fines are not uncommon. Mistakes are not uncommon. Breaches of rules and regulations. Because rules and regulations are always evolving, right? We do invest heavily. All financial institutions, including ourselves, do invest very heavily in terms of our compliance program. But many times, there will still be gaps. But important though for us, is to learn from all these mistakes, learn from all these gaps, become stronger, close those gaps, work very closely with regulators. And I think everybody is better off, right? With that, there's a lot of trust. We are, we are responsible players, right? let me stress that. So we are responsible players in terms of operating, working with the regulators and the agencies to come to a conclusion on this matter. We are now by, by far still the largest crypto exchange in terms of trading volume, but the most regulated crypto exchange globally. We have 18 different jurisdictions that regulate us. And I will always say this to the public and to the regulators. We are responsible by willingly submitting ourselves to regulations, by submitting ourselves to the oversight regulators. They have insight into what we do in terms of our structure, our financials, in terms of the compliance program that we have put in place. And they can ask for information from us, etc. And it's much better for from the regulatory angle that we submit willingly to them. There are many other players in the industry. They are not willing to submit to regulatory oversight and they operate green zone, right? Uh, and many of them do. Um, for regulators, once you do that, they look at it. If they think they're 
you work very closely with us to remediate those gaps. And everybody's better off, right? Uh, the industry is better off, the user better off, everybody has the assurance that we're all doing the right things. So I'm very confident for the future as well, because with this overcast and remediation, uh, sorry, with this overcast and resolution gone with the US agencies, we can now focus on building the future. We are by far the largest exchange, so we understand the scrutiny will fall on us first. Now that we have withstand that scrutiny, come to a good resolution on that scrutiny, their focus will be on the rest, right? Those people that do not have more robust compliance that continue to do things in the grid. We are the first exchange outside of the US to introduce mandatory know your customer provisions. Uh, and they don't know that. In any given year, we cooperate with law enforcement agencies. We have more than 50,000 law enforcement requests globally from different agencies. And we cooperate very closely. We are very responsive to their needs. We have funds, we freeze those funds according to the request, etc. Many of the exchanges still don't do so. So focus will move to the other players. And we are now in a position of strength. What sort of contact have you had with the SEC in terms of that ongoing case with Binance.us? And uh, um, do you believe that they're going to keep pursuing that case, um, considering that Binance has reached a settlement with the DOJ in regards to the, you know, uh, the settlement that's just been made? As you appreciate, right? Uh, we can't discuss any regulatory agencies or law enforcement agencies, right? Those are confidential, right? And we are confidential. They impose requirements on that front. So we can't discuss on that. We will, what I can say is that we do work very closely with all agencies. Uh, we take a very cooperative approach in terms of regulators and law enforcement agencies. And we will continue to defend our position quite robust in the some people have kind of suggested that the compliance measures and, and the surveillance that's going to have to take place going forward uh, might be quite costly to Binance. I mean, is that a cost and, and a process that you're willing to absorb just to make sure that compliance is, is met going forward? Well, that um, again goes back to my point. The direction of travel is very different. The environment there is very different compared to the past. And this is part and parcel of what we need to do to operate as a global exchange, right? And we have factored this into the cost. Binance is in a very strong financial position, right? The fundamentals are strong. We run by far the largest crypto exchange globally in terms of volume. And even though we charge one of the lowest fees in the industry, our profits and revenue are robust, we are debt-free. Our expenses are more than so. So we are building on a very, very strong position. And these are the usual costs of running a business. And uh, we have, it's not an issue for us. You previously served as, as the, the CEO of the financial services regulator, Abu Dhabi Global Markets. Uh, I assume that you have a very deep understanding of this jurisdiction. Uh, a lot of crypto companies have kind of said that they're looking at Abu Dhabi and the UAE as a place to set up a, a central base of operation. Uh, does Binance see the UAE now as its central base, even though it is quite a, a global entity? Well, it's a global entity, but we have make uh, we have announced two regional headquarters, right? So essentially, UAE is our regional headquarter for the the MENA region, Middle East, North Africa region, and France uh, is our regional headquarters for the European region. It, I at my time of at the Financial Services Regulatory Authority in, in Abu Dhabi. I was one of the first in the world to introduce a crypto framework, right? And that to me is very important because I always maintain when I first got in touch with crypto, I said that, look, my take is this is the future of finance, right? 
But for this to really gain traction and for mass adoption to be brought about, you need two elements, right? First element, you need clarity of rules and regulations so that industry know how to operate. They cannot be operated in the dark and then suddenly have enforcement action against them and that's unfair to the industry. The second factor is institutional adoption. And that's important because they will bring in a lot more new investors, a lot more new liquidity research into this space, right? And that will push crypto adoption faster. So in 2017, we push out and by 2018, it was operationalized. One of the first crypto framework in the world to start regulating crypto. So what you see today is a result of many years of work on that front to become very embracing ecosystem for crypto, right, in the UAE. And today you're seeing the dimension at play as, as well, right? The Black Rocks, the Fidelity, Shows, all embracing, all pushing out with new products and services to serve the needs of users, pushing ahead with things like uh, crypto ETFs, etc. And that will bring new investment class. So the sector is right for mass adoption in a very quick fashion going forward. Uh, just referencing an interview you had with uh, one of my colleagues, Andrew Fenton, uh, you noted that France is a European base. Obviously, MICA regulations have been set out. They're set to take force through 2024 and kind of uh, at different uh, junctures. Um, does Binance view MICA as a, a positive and uh, could it potentially be the framework that allows you to expand out into Western Europe? I mean, I know that uh, you've had to move out of countries like Netherlands just because the regulatory frameworks there, uh, you know, as I understand, couldn't quite be met at, at this point in time. But could Mika change that? Well, so to me and uh, to the team, Mika is a big positive. And I can explain to you why. Only about a third of global regulators are regulating the crypto space, right? And that's a vast improvement compared to three years ago, right? But two thirds are still not regulating crypto. Of the one third, there's a mishmash of regulations. In some jurisdictions, you have securities regulator regulating them, building them as security. In others, uh, they are viewed as commodities. Yet some others, they are viewed as payment tokens. And for some, they think, oh, this is a very unique asset class. We probably have to come up with a dedicated framework. Right? So they call them virtual assets or digital assets and then regulate them as such. But this creates a disparity of regulatory treatment and the lack of harmonization is challenging for a global crypto player like us. Every place that we go for adoption, we have to understand the differences. And sometimes the rules and regulations are conflicting with another. So you can't use a universal standard and really deploy. Right? Unlike banks, banking standards have been harmonized for a long period of time. So a bank operating in one country, how it looks, the rules they have to adhere to, is very similar to elsewhere. For securities firm, same for asset management firm. Traditional exchanges are the same. But in our industry, it's still at the early stage of development. So there's a lot of disparity in terms of rules. But Mika provides that clarity for 27 European countries at one go. And so that's a big positive. You have clarity of rules to operate in 27 different jurisdictions, right? So we supported Mika from day one. When it first came out, we provided inputs in terms of the consultation of how do you foster innovation and growth in the sector while managing the risk. And we do that with many different jurisdictions and we are still doing it by virtue of us, us being the largest exchange. We have a lot of countries approaching us to say, hey, we do think that this is the future. We want to create talent pool in this space. We want to embrace Web3 and crypto. Help us come up with framework that can manage the risk dimension while not stifling the growth dimension. Right? So we do a lot on that front with global 
uh, with countries all around the world, and we will continue to do that. Right? Because I think that helps the path for adoption. Someone brought up um, operating in the United Kingdom and the amount of rules that have changed there. Um, what's the future for Binance in the UK in particular, if you, if you can comment on that? Well, again, the rules are evolving, uh, including places like UK. We keep them under close review and scan. And we do are in close conversation with local stakeholders, including the regulatory agencies, as well as partners there on how do we deploy uh, in, in different countries, including the UK. So I think that's why I can say about the UK itself. No, that's perfect. How involved do you see CZ being going forward? I know he's had to step away as, as CEO, but um, you, you've mentioned he's a great mentor to you. And uh, have there been discussions about um, uh, what his involvement will be going forward, even if it's in a sort of, I guess, just an ad- advisory capacity? So CZ, as part of that settlement, has stepped down and cannot be involved in the day-to-day running uh, of the company operations. Obviously, he started the company as the CEO and founder is the founder CEO, right? For for six years. So that's that's important. He has left a lasting mark in the organization in terms of his vision or mantra, etc. So those are extremely important, right? But now he has passed the baton and I have his confidence to bring this forward. I have a very strong team behind me, I have their support. So for me now he's taking up this baton and pushing ahead with our growth agenda while working very closely with global regulators. There's a lot of talk about Bitcoin ETFs in the United States. It makes it a very fertile ground, especially considering you guys announced today the banking tri-party agreement, which might uh, make uh, financial institutions a lot more comfortable with dealing with exchanges like Binance in order to you know, uh, dip their toe in the water, as it were. How do you see Bitcoin ETFs uh, evolving and, and what kind of influence could it have on the market? You know, the crypto industry is evolving uh, very rapidly, day by day, new things are being done. Uh, again, the though ETF to me is a big positive. It's a big plus, right? Because you bring in a lot more investor class. You allow it to go to some of the more traditional investors uh, that normally don't directly invest, but they like the format of ETF to get exposure to crypto. You get family offices into that space. You get high network individuals into that space and retail into that space. So that's a big positive, right? So it's not being only launched in the US. There are many other jurisdictions uh, where players have launched application for crypto ETFs. And I think that's a big positive and big win for the industry. And we need to continue to support that. The tripartite arrangement, again, is a big win. There's a big plus working very, for us, working very closely with banking partners as well as uh, institutional investors, right? For the institutional investors to manage their counterparty risk, right? Again, these are, there are a lot of new things that we are pushing ahead with to help with the crypto adoption, to help with more investors coming to this space. And with the with the old task list, uh, we will continue to push it. We can continue to push ahead quite aggressively for this agenda. Uh, Richard, just last, lastly, um, in your personal life, uh, what do you like to do to uh, blow off steam? And, uh, you know, uh, do you enjoy exercising? Uh, what kind of stuff do you do in your free time? I do. So I, I try to exercise wherever I can. Um, I think as since assuming this role, unfortunately, that time is uh, reduced quite substantially. But I hope to get back into routine. I do a, a mix of uh, weights, uh, cardio, core, uh, on that front. I like to read. I think the Water is excellent book on Elon is a great read. That's just my most recent read. I like to uh, chill, right, with, with my friends and family, uh, watch 
some movies and film on things like Netflix, etc. So I do have legal time. <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I'm new into the job as well. So the first um, few months will be focusing on making sure that we're on the strong path and trajectory forward. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people used to think that CZ didn't sleep. So I, I hope that's not the case for you. <laughs> I, I'm trying to sleep better. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Richard, thank you very much for your time. I, I appreciate you being so candid with us and and being giving uh, you know over half an hour because I, I think half an hour in the job that you have now is uh, is very very valuable time. But thank you very much. All the best going forward and and hope to to stay in touch. That concludes this episode of Decentralized with Coin Telegraph, featuring Binance's new CEO Richard Ting. Don't forget to check out the rest of our podcasts on the Coin Telegraph podcast page. <laughs>